Father, thank you for this morning. Thank you for these students. God, thank you for this school. God, thank you for your word, which is a, a light into our path, a lamp into our feet. Your word is true. Father, thank you for a few moments this morning to share. God, I pray that you would speak this morning, that you'd give us ears to hear. God, that you would pierce our words with your heart. God, that you'd bring conviction and correction that's needed. That you'd bring encouragement and hope for others. We just commit this time to you in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm going to talk to you guys today about my absolute favorite passage in the Bible. Does anyone have any idea what that is? You want to take a guess? Somewhere between Genesis and Revelation. You got a guess? John 3.16? No, but that is a good one. Where, okay. No, but that's a great one. Anyone else? Do you have a guess? Genesis 16. What'd you say? Did you say Hebrews 16? Close, if that's what you said. We're in Hebrews 11 this morning. So, we're going to go in Hebrews 11, and I'm just going to read through it. And we're talking this morning about faith. It says this, Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. For by it the people of old received their commendation. By faith we understand that the universe was created by the word of God, so that what is seen was not made out of things that are visible. By faith, Abel offered to God a more acceptable sacrifice than Cain, through which he was commended as righteous, God commending him by accepting his gifts. And through his faith, though he died, he still speaks. By faith, Enoch was taken up so that he should not see death, and he was not found, because God had taken him. Now before he was taken, he was commended as having pleased God. And without faith, it is impossible to please him. For whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. By faith, Noah, being warned by God concerning events as yet unseen, in reverent fear, constructed an ark for the saving of his household. By this, he condemned the world and became an heir of the righteousness that comes by faith. By faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to a place that he was to receive as an inheritance. And he went out, not knowing where he was going. By faith, he went to live in the land of promise, as in a foreign land, living in tents with Isaac and Jacob, heirs with him of the same promise. For he was looking forward to the city that has foundations, whose designer and builder is God. By faith, Sarah herself received power to conceive, even when she was past the age, since she considered him faithful, who had promised. Therefore, from one man, and him as good as dead, were born descendants, as many as the stars of heaven, and as many as the innumerable grains of sand by the seashore. These all died in faith, not having received the things promised, but having seen them and greeted them from afar, and having acknowledged that they were strangers and exiles on the earth. For people who speak thus make it clear that they are seeking a homeland. If they had been thinking of that land from which they had gone out, they would have had opportunity to return. But as it is, they desire a better country, that is, a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared for them a city. By faith, Abraham, when he was tested, 
offered up Isaac, and he who had received the promises was in the act of offering up his only son, of whom it was said, Through Isaac shall your offspring be named. He considered that God was able even to raise him from the dead, from which, figuratively speaking, he did receive him back. By faith, Isaac invoked future blessings on Jacob and Esau. By faith, Jacob, when dying, blessed each of the sons of Joseph, bowing in worship over the head of his staff. By faith, Joseph, at the end of his life, made mention of the exodus of the Israelites and gave directions concerning his bones. By faith, Moses, when he was born, was hidden for three months by his parents because they saw that the child was beautiful and they were not afraid of the king's edict. By faith, Moses, when he was grown up, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to be mistreated with the people of God than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. He considered the reproach of Christ greater wealth than the treasures of Egypt, for he was looking to the reward. By faith he left Egypt, not being afraid of the anger of the king, for he endured as seeing him who is invisible. By faith he kept the Passover and sprinkled the blood, so that the destroyer of the firstborn might not touch them. By faith the people crossed the Red Sea as on dry land, but the Egyptians, when they attempted to do the same, were drowned. Dun, dun, dun. By faith the walls of Jericho fell down after they had been encircled for seven days. By faith Rahab the prostitute did not perish with those who were disobedient, because she had given a friendly welcome to the spies. And what more shall I say? For time would fail me to tell of Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, of David and Samuel and the prophets, who through faith conquered kingdoms, enforced justice, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions, quenched the power of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, were made strong out of weakness, became mighty in war, put foreign armies to flight. Women received back their dead by resurrection. Some were tortured, refusing to accept release so they might rise again to a better life. Others suffered mocking and flogging and even chains and imprisonment. They were stoned, they were sawn in two, they were killed with the sword. They went about in skins of sheep and goats, destitute, afflicted, mistreated, of whom the world was not worthy wandering about in deserts and mountains and in dens and caves of the earth. And all of these, though commended through their faith, did not receive what was promised, since God had provided something better for us, that apart from us, they should not be made perfect. Faith. Some call Hebrews 11 the Hall of Faith. Kind of like the Hall of Fame. A Hall of Fame is for famous people who do really cool, important, and big things, or who hold records with sports, never had a record in anything, except maybe being late, I don't know, but a hall of fame is for important people that do important things, and they're famous, and Hebrews 11 is often called the hall of faith. There's 40 verses that tell us about all the different people of the Bible and things that they did, and this morning we're talking about faith. What is faith? Does anyone have any idea what faith is? What do you think faith is? Trust. Trust? Okay, what else? To believe in something even when even though lots of people doubt it. Yes, I like that. To believe in something even though lots of people doubt it. To believe in something even if um even if 
Yes, to believe in something even if you can't see it. Anyone else? In the back. Good. Trusting in things you can't see. Things that you know are there but you can't necessarily see that are there, right? And, and faith is actually also believing in things that you can't see. For instance, all of you used faith this morning to come in and sit down in your chair. You trusted that these chairs were sturdy, they were made of good solid wood, and that they were going to hold you. No one thought, blinked an eye, or had a second thought about sitting down this morning, right? You come in every Monday morning, you sit down, you've got your row, you've got your spot, you've got your chair, and you trusted that that chair was going to hold you. I don't know if you've ever sat on something that was a little bit unsturdy and wondered if it was going to hold you, but it takes faith to sit down. But we're talking this morning about the gift of faith, believing in something that we cannot see, but that that what we know is there, specifically our faith in God. According to Hebrews 11.1, it says this, Faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. Can't exactly see God, can we? But we're hopeful that He's real. We're hopeful that his word is true and that the things that we've been taught about him are right and are yes and amen. And sometimes it's easy to believe in God. Sometimes it's easy to have faith. And sometimes it's not so easy to have faith. I, I, this is one of my favorite passages in the scripture and it struck me one day how many different action verbs there were in this entire chapter. There's 40 verses and I scribbled down some notes And I counted up over 31 different action verbs. You ready? Listen to this. Created. Sacrificed. These are all things that people did because of their faith. Speaks. Pleased God. In reverent fear constructed. He went out not knowing. Looking forward to the city whose builder is God. Received power from God. She considered him who promised us faithful. Having seen and greeted them the things promised from afar. Acknowledged they were strangers on the earth. Seeking a homeland. Desiring a heavenly country. When tested he offered. Considered that God was able. Invoked future blessings. Conquered kingdoms. Enforced justice. Obtained promises. Stopped the mouths of lions. When was the last time he attempted that? Not me. I can't even stop my dog, let alone a lion. Obtain promises. Quench the power of fire. Escape the edge of the sword. Were made strong out of weakness. Became mighty in war. Put foreign armies to flight. Women received back their dead. Tortured, refusing to be released. Suffered greatly. Stoned, sawn in two. Killed, wandered the earth. 31 different action verbs in 40 verses. In James 2, it says this, that faith without works is dead. We can say that we have faith. We can say that we believe in God. But there's an action part on our part that comes with our faith. It's not enough to just say we believe in God. Oh, yeah, God, I love God. God's cool. It's not enough. There's an action part on our part, just like you sit in a chair. You can say, oh, I know the chair is no problem. It's going to hold me. I sit in that chair every week. Yeah, no problem. Me and the chair are tight like this, BFF. 
at some point, you have to sit down and prove that that chair is what that chair was made for. And so it is with your faith in God. At some point, you have to step out in your faith and live what you believe to be true. Because otherwise, your faith is dead. No good thing comes from a dead thing. Usually dead things smell. Usually dead things are gross. The Bible says that your faith without works is dead. At some point, you have to take what you believe in your head and in your heart and turn that into action. Hebrews 11 also said this. I don't know if you caught it. You can get a little lost in there. But it says it is impossible to please God without faith. It's a pretty strong words. It is impossible to please God without faith. So sometimes we think it's all these rules and do this, don't do this. That's not what pleasing God is about. It's about your faith. It's about what you believe in your heart. God says, if you don't have faith, you can't please me. And when you love someone, you want to please them, right? You want to please your parents or, or your teachers maybe or or you want to do the right thing. That's a good thing. God says, if you don't have faith, you can't make me happy. I don't know about you, but that makes me a little concerned. That makes me look at my life and say, Tara, how are you living your life? It's one thing to say it with your mouth, but it's a whole other thing to live it out. It's a two-sided coin, though. I love this, I love this passage. I love this chapter because it talks about quenching the power of fire, escaping the edge of the sword, and there's this epic battle and this epic action movie playing out in my mind. Shutting the mouths of lions. I mean, I'm just picturing in my mind big old burly lion. and They're like, and the lion's like, okay, I'm a vegan. I'll leave you alone. You know, dodging the edges of swords, quenching the power of fire. But then we get to the end of the chapter and it's not so popular. Did you catch it? Let me read this. Others suffered mocking and flogging, and even chains and imprisonment. They were stoned. They were sawn in two. It's a little violent for a Monday morning chapel, isn't it? They were sawn in two. They were killed with the sword. They went about in skins of sheep and goats. Ew. Destitute, afflicted, mistreated of whom the world was not worthy, wandering about in deserts and mountains and in dens and caves of the earth. That's faith. See, when you put your faith into action, it doesn't mean that everything is going to be peachy king. It doesn't mean that you're going to tell every mountain to move and that you're going to shut the mouth of every lion. The Bible actually says, do not be surprised when you get mistreated for my name's sake. Don't be surprised at the bad day that you have because you love me and others find out that you love me. Don't be surprised. They mistreated me. You're going to have bad days. When you follow Jesus, it's going to be hard. When you live out your faith, there's going to be tests and trials. ISIS, Middle East, beheadings. Christians in, in China and, and Korea have to hide. They can't go out to, to lunch and pray before their meal. We're very blessed here in America. We're very blessed, especially in Texas. In other parts of the world, they don't have a Bible. I've got ten of these. They don't have a Bible. 
They can't pray in public. They can't gather together in public and worship. Or they'll get arrested or beat up or tortured. Their families will be mistreated. They'll be caught on fire. Even children, children your age who follow Jesus in other parts of the world are mistreated badly. So here's my question. Why? Because I'm thinking if that were me, I'm thinking if someone came to me today and said, we're going to need you to to arrest you because you love Jesus. I'm thinking if I'm being brutally honest this morning that I might say this. You know, I can, um, I'll just tone it down. I'll just keep my mouth quiet. I won't say anything. Give me another chance. I I won't be obnoxious about it. I'll I'll just keep it to myself. I'm thinking if someone came to me and said that they were going to get my family or that they were going to kill me because they caught me with the Bible, I'm thinking if I'm being really honest that I might be really tempted to say, oh, you know, that's actually not my Bible. Gee, I I have no idea where this came from. Um, There's no name in it. Uh, That's not mine. Bible, I don't read the Bible. But thousands and millions of people across the world suffer greatly. You think your projects in class are you suffering? You have no idea. I know a 16-year-old in Haiti who barely knows how to write her first name. She doesn't have a birthday because nobody's ever celebrated her birthday. She doesn't have parents. She's an orphan. She's been a slave her entire life. She's only had one pair of shoes And she barely knows how to write her first name. But in America, as students, we complain about exams. We complain about teachers that are hard or strict or ask too much of us. We complain about going to church because I'm tired and it's boring. And there are millions of people in the world who would give anything to go to church freely and to worship their God. See, faith is a two-sided coin. There's the the great epic moments of shutting the mouths of lions and and quenching the power of fire and receiving the dead back from life and escaping the edge of the sword. And then there's a flip side of getting flogged and stoned and mistreated and made fun of and killed and sawn in two. And you don't know which side of the coin you're going to get. Matter of fact, we do know you'll get both. You will have the greatest moments of your life walking with God. You'll see incredible things. You'll get to be a part of incredible stories. Your life with Jesus will be the greatest adventure that you ever get to live. And it'll be awesome. You'll get to see history unfold right before your eyes. But you'll also have hard times. You'll have difficult days. You'll be made fun of because you love Jesus. You'll be made fun of because you live your life according to the word of God and not what society says. So here's the question. What do we do now? That's great. It's a lot of information, right? But what do we do? What exactly do we do with our faith? Whether it's a mountaintop experience faith and you're shutting the mouths of lions or if it's a bad day and you're being mistreated. Here's what we do. The answer is this in Hebrews 12. You run. 
you run. Here's what it says in Hebrews 12. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight in the sin which clings so closely and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. You run your race. You just run. You just take off and run. I hate running. But I love running for the Lord. And sometimes, sometimes my laps around this, this race called life get a little slow. They, they get a little weak. I get a little limp because something's hurting. Or, or maybe I'm not so sure about God and His promises. Or, or maybe I just don't like this part of my life and what's happening. But I run. I run. And as long as I fix my eyes on Jesus, that's all that matters. That's all that matters. But it takes discipline. It takes focus. You have to run your race. I've talked about this before here. You have to run your race. You absolutely have to be who God has created you to be. There is no plan B. That is who God created you to be. And you have to run your race. That's why he created you. Because the beautiful thing is this. God wants to use each of you to rewrite the history books for the world. As much evil and bad news and problems as there are in the world, there's great things happening. And there's great things happening because there's people with faith who fix their eyes on Jesus and they say, I'm not going to stop running no matter what. Some of you, God has created to be doctors. You're going to find a cure for cancer. Some of you will be the next president. You'll be the next missionary. You'll go to North Korea and be a part of an underground church. You'll take Bibles to people who don't have Bibles. You'll be a part of praying for marriages that are broken and God will heal them. I heard a speaker say once that everyone should be in Hebrews 11.41. By faith, Terah, dot, dot, dot. By faith, Mr. Sloan, fill in the blank. By faith, Ms. Martin, fill in the blank. Except you fill it in with your name. So what do you do with your faith? You run your race. You don't stop. You fix your eyes on Jesus. And you just keep running. Because one day Jesus will come back. And he'll take all of his followers home. And we will spend forever. I, you know what? I can't wait to get to heaven. I can't sing, but I love singing. My voice cracks. It's something real awful. Now thankfully for me, and unfortunately for you, God just said make a joyful noise. I make a real joyful noise. It's not talented, it's not skilled, but it's a real joyful noise because I just can't help it. But you know what? I can't wait to get to heaven where everything is perfected. Now I have to worry about my cracked voice anymore. I don't have to worry how weird I sound in the mornings. I don't have to worry about keeping my eyes on Jesus because it will literally... Be nothing but Jesus and all of his beauty and splendor and glory and millions and billions of angels. And we'll all just worship God forever and ever and ever. Fix your eyes on Jesus and you run, boys and girls. You have to run your race. You don't have another choice. That is who you are. That is who God created you to be. On the great days when you're shutting the mouths of lions and escaping the edge of the sword and quenching the power of fire, you run your race. 
and you give thanks to God. On the bad days when things go wrong and life is hard and you're unsure of who God is or if he's even real or exists, you run your race. His faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. And without faith, it is impossible to please God. And faith without works is dead. You run your race and you don't stop until you stand before Jesus one day. That is your destiny. That is your great calling. That is your reward. Father, thank you for this morning. God, thank you for a reminder about faith. God, that as as much as faith is about conquering kingdoms and doing ridiculously crazy good things, faith is also about enduring hard times. God, thank you for our brothers and sisters in other parts of the world who are willing to suffer greatly all because they know you and they believe in you. God, thank you for their bold, unwavering faith. Father, I pray that you'd bless these students with that same kind of faith. That their lives would be founded upon the word of God. That their eyes would be fixed on you, Jesus. That they would have a tenacity and a perseverance and a desire to follow hard after you. Even if it costs them greatly. Father, I pray that you'd give all of us an increased measure of faith. A childlike faith. Pure and simple. That we would simply believe you and your word. Thank you for the world changers that are in this room, the history makers. Father, I pray that you'd bless them and that we would run our race and that we would run it well. In Jesus' name, amen.